faithful listeners. Uh, my name's Cody Tracy. I'm basically the only writer uh, and one of the principal actors in um, The Hooded Hitchhiker. Uh, I'm also the creator of the show, hence why I got all those cool jobs and get to make up all my own job titles. Um, and basically, I just wanted to do um, a little little podcast about the creation of the show um, because I think there's not a whole lot of resources out there about like sort of the behind the scenes of audio productions and I think it'd be interesting for those who are interested in audio production to be able to hear um, my experiences or other people's experiences when it comes to actually trying to create audio drama. Um, So basically I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of what it took to create the first episode of of, uh, The Hooded Hitchhiker called Dr. Death. Um, It just came out April 30th, 2015. I'm pretty proud of it still. Uh, I've had some time and distance to reflect on some of the things that worked and didn't work. Um, But anyway, I just figured I would share some of this with you. Um, So, some background information about me first. Uh, Like I said, my name's Cody. Uh, Basically, there's been two things about me that have been inescapable since pretty much as long as I can remember. One, I've always wanted to be a writer. Uh, really, I mean, I, I always wanted to be a creative person in general, but uh, writing is always the thing that gravitates, you know, is the, the field that I gravitate towards. Um, you know, I've, I've dabbled with acting. I, I'm really interested in acting and directing and all these other things, but all those things I approach from a writer's perspective first. Um, so that's the first inescapable fact about me. And then the second inescapable fact about me is that, um, essentially if I'm awake or even when I'm not awake, I always need something playing in my ear. Uh, I'm, I consider myself kind of an audiophile. Uh, I didn't get into the technical side of audio until much more recently. Uh, but I always listened, um, to a lot of music. I listened to, uh, you know, I always had an ear for production. Um, and also too, when I was young, a part of the, the stuff that fed my, uh, my interest in listening to audio all the time, uh, was the discovery of some old time radio shows on cassette that I think, uh, either my father or my grandfather owned or something. It was in our house. Um, it was like a golden age of radio cassette set of, uh, like four different, like, um, audio shows from back in the golden age of radio. And the first one I can remember listening to uh, was probably um, one of the most famous audio broadcasts of all time, being um, Orson Welles' production, or rather the Mercury Theater's production, of uh, War of the Worlds, um, which even manages to get name-checked in like you know history books and things like that that don't pertain to radio or audio history, but more to deal with like mass hysteria and all that. Um, so, you know, obviously that showed me the power of uh, the medium at that point. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, the other cassettes, um, there was like a couple up, ep- like two episodes of Gangbusters, you know, the A and B side. So the A side, I think, was like Appointment with Death, which is a pretty um, famous episode of Gangbusters. Uh, and then I think the, oh, what which one was it? And it was like Horse Race Hijackers or something like that's on the B side. Anyway, so I mean, I got to see the sort of... Um, more like the predecessor to like Law and Order in audio form. I got to listen to The Lone Ranger in audio form. 
And all those things, you know, all those different formats and things really left an impression on me. And also, too, you know, just sort of the mind's theater element of audio drama really appealed to me. Um, so I always thought one day I would like to do that. And actually, when I was, you know, much, much younger, um, like probably, oh, like around 2000, 2002-ish, whatever, uh, I had a cheesy little kid's microphone you know it was like a cassette player with a record function and it would have this little microphone that was attached with this little yellow corkscrew cord and uh i would just improvise um little short stories basically uh one was a memorable attempt was night of the bacteria people and it's like three or four sequels um the first one was entirely me all of the various characters would play by me um i would just and it was recorded in a linear fashion, too. So you had to do each scene as it happened um, because, you know, you couldn't do nonlinear editing on a cassette tape. Um, you just basically punch in to wherever the end of the last scene was and hope he didn't write over anything else. Um, so, I mean, I sort of dabbled with it much earlier on. Um, and then, you know, of course, uh, learning my my English mechanics and all that and learning how to spell really sort of dissuaded me from writing for a while. So I kind of took a step back and focused more on the other elements of my uh, creative abilities, so to speak, uh, or lack thereof. Um, became really interested in acting, became really interested in, uh, well, primarily acting. Um, I took up playing the keyboards and stuff like that sort of near the end of high school. Uh, and then I didn't really get back into the writing aspect um, until I, me and my friend Austin Heinzman, uh, started Internal Logic in like the winter of 2012, 2013, into 2013, when we were, uh, when we conceived of a, uh, Friday the 13th fan film, um, that we eventually went on to, to storyline, and then I took the storyline and wrote it into a monstrous screenplay. Uh, nothing ever came of it, but it really lit the fire under uh, under me again, and really started the whole writing, uh, restarted the writing bug for me. Uh, so with all of that in mind, you know, that brings us perfectly back with uh, The Hooded Hitchhiker. Um, and actually, um, Austin was the, the person who kind of gave me the uh, the seed of an idea for uh, the actual plot, or rather for the actual character of, uh, Dr. Dyer himself. Um, we, we were working and he was telling me what he thought would be an interesting idea. Uh, I was sort of pitching an anthology show that I didn't have a name for at that point. I didn't have the hooded hitchhiker character ready at this point. Um, I had like three or four different like possible outcomes that the show could have turned into. And, Austin heard this and he was like, well, you know, you should, what if there was like a, a doctor who, who like, you know, sort of a mad scientist doctor. And I think he even came up with the idea of, you know, he was, he was looking to extend his own life by, uh, by putting his brain into others, that kind of a thing, you know, sort of along those lines, you know, sort of the doctor brain surgery element, uh, was more or less his idea, uh. And, you know, at first I didn't really know what to do with that. And I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll use that at some point or, you know, maybe we'll use it for another project. But eventually that idea floated to the top uh, when it came to to starting to write the show. And so I went ahead and did it. Um, the actual name, Dr. Dyer, fortunately, uh, is my own 
concept. Uh, I had the idea I wanted to call it Dr. Death um, because, you know, he was sort of a murdering doctor kind of a thing. Uh, and, you know, as a sort of play on that, I named the character Dr. Dyer with a Y-E-R uh, to kind of pun on the fact that, you know, Dr. Dyer is Dr. Death, you know. I'm sure most of you picked up on that. God, I hope you did. <laughs> um, so as that's that's the conception of the story. Um, and actually, it ended up being a two-parter, which I think is, you know, perhaps a little counterintuitive for the idea of it being the Hooded Hitchhiker being an anthology show. Um, but I thought the idea was too interesting to limit it to one episode. And I feel like the episodes are really different. Um, we're about to start production on on a Dr. Uh, wait a minute. Dr. Death is part one. So we're about to start Dr. Dyer, which is the second part. Um, we're going to begin our recording. Um, well, I don't know if this is going to come out before we do the recording or after we do the recording. Uh, but we're going to record probably like June 7th or something like that. Uh, and then it will probably be out in July, early July. Um, but I felt like the episode really needed, or rather, the concept deserved two different episodes. Um, so the first episode's more kind of the creeping episode, and then I think episode two is a little bit more of the blockbuster. It's a little bit more of a Dr. Dyer is a, sort of a pseudo-slasher killer kind of a thing. So I look forward to, to putting all that together. Um, so, like I said... The he Austin pitched me this sort of basic idea about um, a doctor trying to extend his life through brain surgery, and that was probably in like May or June two thousand fourteen. Uh, so that was you know I I had some notes about how the sh you know wanting to do the show at that point, uh, and according to my original handwritten script for Doctor uh, Doctor Death. I finished in June of last year um, of the, with the rough draft. So it's taken me about more or less a year to get the whole show uh, going. Uh, however, um, it's also worth noting, I wasn't just writing that episode for that time. I did write uh, three other scripts. I wrote the second episode, Dr. Death, uh, of Dr. Death, uh, Dr. Dyer. And then I wrote um, two further scripts that we're going to be producing immediately after we're done with the second part. Um, so there was that, and then, um, of course there was buying equipment, because by the time I decided that I wanted to do an audio show, uh, of course I couldn't record on analog tape like I had when I was much younger, um, because I don't have the equipment to, to turn analog into digital for one, and also too, the, the quality of the recording wasn't really there, you know, it was, it was a real, um, simple microphone, you, you got it to to, uh, oh, what's the word? You get the audio to clip real easily with the, the microphone and everything like that. So that wasn't ideal. Um, so we had, I started assembling, you know, once I got the idea to actually start the show, uh, I knew that I would have to get serious from the, um, equipment perspective. So basically I went out and I, I went to Best Buy and I bought a Samson Meteor mic, a little USB mic. Um, that was another important thing too. I didn't want to have to go I wanted my microphones to be USB attachable to the computer so I can record in Audacity, which is my um, audio editing software, uh, which is totally for free. Uh, most of you have probably used it, I'm sure, or if not, you should check it out if you have any uh, audio applications you need to, 
to edit. Uh, so I bought the Samson Meteor mic, and you know it's kind of a little mic. It has its own self-built tripod on it, um, which again is fine for sort of amateur productions. Um, but it, it didn't quite have uh, the dynamic range I wanted, or it didn't seem to. It had a sort of tinny sound about it. Uh, so I decided that I was going to get a couple other mics. Um, I the Samson Meteor mic is what's referred to as a dynamic mic, and I'm sure um, all of you, well, some of you will know more than I do, certainly, about this. Uh, but dynamic mics are generally more like loud sound sources. You know, it doesn't have so much, uh, like, roominess in its sound. It's really sort of whatever's loud enough to leave an impression in the mic is what mostly makes it. Uh, and I knew that I would need a better mic of that sort as well. So I bought an Audio-Technica uh, 2100 USB, um, which actually comes with its own uh, XLR input-output as well. Um, but I use it through the USB port mostly. Uh, so that's my, my flagship dynamic mic. And then I decided I also need a condenser microphone, so I got an Audio-Technica 2020 USB um, as well. And actually, that's what I'm recording this with. It's sort of like my my main microphone now. Uh, so you know, once I once I got all that equipment together, um, I was able. I felt like I can begin recording uh, shows of adequate quality. So that's when I started doing like the the podcast. The podcasting started um, once I got the condenser microphone. Uh, so that way, I can record the whole room worth of people at least somewhat adequately. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk more about trying to get good sound quality later. Um, the other the other new addition, since we recorded the episode, but I want to add it on because it's a, it's a significant addition, and I like to brag a little bit. Uh, I, I recently just got a uh, Zoom uh, R16, which is a interface uh, recorder um, controller soundboard. Um, it has its own like SD card and everything like that, so you can record onto its own like board and everything like that. It seems like a really cool piece of machinery, and I, I look forward to getting a couple more microphones that because this is purely analog, so I can I can hook my uh, my Audio Technica 2100 dynamic microphone into it because it has the XLR outputs, but I have to get another condenser microphone if I want a condenser for um, the board, but. Uh, Anyway, we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll see how that actually features into the the production of the Hitchhiker as things go on. Um, I guess the only other thing worth really covering um, was the sound booth. Uh, if you've ever listened to the podcast, um, you know that it sort of has a weird reverberance in it, and there is times when um, the air conditioner, or I guess at the time it was probably in the winter, so the heater would kick on and off at regular intervals and all that. So to help mitigate that, um, we constructed a pseudo sound booth out of plywood, two by fours, and some dead mat, you know, mattress toppers. Uh, it seems to be doing the job pretty well. Uh, it at least helps isolate um, and baffle other sounds. Um, so that's pretty much all it took from a equipment point of view. I mean, altogether, um, over that year it took. Um, to do all the pre-production for the show, it took, I don't know, maybe like $500, $600 to get everything together. Um, and then beyond that, too, 
like, you know, basically I had all, I had the scripts, I had the equipment, but I didn't know if I really had the expertise to really pull it off. Um, so I decided, uh, that I was going to write and record something that would be sort of connected to the hooded hitchhiker just to show that I can kind of, uh, do it on my own before trying to bring in other people to, uh, to suffer through production with me. Um, so I created, I decided that I was going to write sort of a short story, um, and I ended up calling it The Thing on the Stairs. Uh, I don't know, some of you may have heard it. Uh, actually, so far, more people have heard The Thing on the Stairs than have actually heard the real episode. Um, but I'm, that's, that's okay with me. They're all the same to me. <coughs> uh, one's way shorter than the other, and that's probably why uh, it's more popular. But, um, the thing on the stairs, I mean, basically, uh, if you haven't heard it, I would suggest you listen to it. Um, I think it's quite good on the most part. Just bear in mind, uh, I, I did produce it in two weeks. Um, so it took me about like five days to write it. Uh, and then the rest of that time was devoted to me basically just recording little snippets of the narration and the sound effects basically as I could, uh, um, the only other additional voice that I, um, recruited for that was, uh, well, I tried to record my little sister. Um, I needed a scream, or I needed several screams for the episode. And, uh, you know, obviously I can't scream like a little girl. Uh, I have a fairly deep-ish voice, and I don't think I can really strain and go that high. So I had, um my little sister try and, and do a scream, and it just wasn't enough, so I ended up getting my girlfriend, uh, with her mature, uh, um, woman vocal cords, uh, to scream for me, so that's the one additional voice I got, and then I also enlisted her help to, uh, to help create the, the cover image, um, especially for these, like, little Hitchhiker Presents, as I'm calling them now, um, these little mini episodes or whatever, I think it's important to have a little photo or like its own sort of cover image, um, to help identify it as being sort of separate from the rest and also just to kind of make it more visually interesting. Um, so for the thing on the stairs, I decided to, to, to use my girlfriend, put her at the bottom of these said stairs and film in a really, or take a, a, a photo of me with my hair down, looking sort of looming creepily past the door, uh, you know, in sort of an extreme upshot, you know, uh, and it's supposed to represent a scene in the, the actual, um, drama. Uh, I'll let you try and figure out which one. Uh, if you actually listen to it, I bet you could figure it out pretty easily. Uh, so basically the thing on the stairs, again, it took, a, it took me two weeks and, you know, it proved to me pretty much that I could do it. Um, and that, Editing was quite a task, but, you know, I think, I thought I could handle the full episode. So, basically, we went ahead and uh, scheduled, I scheduled all, all the actors and stuff to come in on, like, a Saturday night, and everyone had scripts and all that, and we basically just knocked it out, it took about, it was about an eight-hour recording session. Uh, you know, I had, I had the Audio-Technica 2020 condenser mic. Um, recording all the group shots, you know, I was shuffling people in and out of the sound booth, uh, and just recording like crazy. People were out in the, in the garage, you know, using it as a, you know, as a sort of green room, smoking their cigarettes, going over their lines and whatnot. Um, it was a really interesting time. Uh, naturally, of course, you know, not very many, I think it's really, not a lot of people enjoy, uh, 
enjoy sort of extracurricular things once they're old like this, you know? Um, so I, I put a lot of value in the fact that my friends have the, the, cre the creativity necessary and the will necessary to come over to to come over to poor old Cody's house for eight hours in the middle of the night and record an episode for him. Um, that's my shout out to all my actors. Uh, so like I said, it, it took, it was about like 70% of the, the audio was done in that eight hour period. I knew there was going to be certain things that I didn't want to have everyone around for, you know, like there was a lot of scenes where Dyer was by himself and I didn't feel like it was necessary to subject everyone to listen to to me recording one person when everyone was there. So it was mostly group scenes and whatnot. And then um, when that was completed, I went back and listened to all the dailies and things and found uh, certain pieces that were just, you know, sort of rough performances or stumbled lines. And I tried to, to bring in um, some of the actors in individually to do overdubs. And that took me about, you know, all told, the recording was probably stretched out for... Oh, two weeks or so. <clears throat> um, the first day being, you know, the, the main eight hours. And then the other days were just here, there. Me recording my narration and then like two days of overdubs. Um, you know, two hour sessions each day, something like that. Nothing too big. Uh, and then it took me about a month to edit it all together. And actually it turned out to be a way bigger um, project than I intended. Um, because if you use audacity, you know, I basically, I didn't break up the 30 minute anything into smaller sections. It was all just one big project. So I had seven tracks of information going on, uh, mind you not simultaneously, but you know, I had seven different tracks, I had narration track. I had the main dialogue track. I had what I called the off axis dialogue track, which is basically, um, anyone who, is talking from like an exterior sound source or from out of the room or whatever. So like people on the phone, uh, people who talk through um, the door, uh, any sort of off um, center sound effect or voice is found in the off axis dialogue track. Um, and then there was a sound effects track, a music track, and a... Uh, sort of like a soundscape track, you know, sort of like just ambient background noise track. Um, so with so many tracks, um, any minor edit would change the timing for all the other six tracks. Um, so basically, you know, you would delete a segment or whatever, and then everything in, the, in that track would jump forward, making the other, like, six tracks misalign. So um, it was quite a challenge. Uh, I think I've learned some uh, lessons for um, the next episode to make it easier on myself. Um, and then as far as, uh, casting the episode went, I'm basically, uh, well, I mean, I, I originally intended to, to try and hire out some actors. Um, I put out a, an ad on Craigslist and I got a few people to respond back to me, but I figured as far as the first episode went, it was probably best to, to try and keep it as close to the, um, to my like core group of friends and so to speak, because I knew that we'd have to do the first episode and it'd be a learning experience. And I didn't want everyone to think that, uh, that we were so ill, ill equipped. So, um, in the future, I'll probably end up hiring out at least a few roles, uh, for each episode, um, just to kind of fill out space and also to give, um, uh, actors out there an opportunity to kind of showcase some of their talents and everything like that. Let's see. What else haven't I talked about? 
Oh, okay. So, um, uh, as far as the theme music went, the theme was also sort of an interesting evolution. Um, I don't know. Hopefully all of you, uh, found the theme to be good. Uh, you know, just kind of like sort of a rainy day or a, a rainy night kind of a feeling to it. You know, sort of, uh, I took the, the general feeling of Riders on the Storm, you know, sort of that electric piano kind of thor uh, stormy and thunder uh, in the background and everything like that. I felt like that would be a really interesting way to, to show or to begin the show off. Um, and so basically, uh, I... Um, with every microphone I got, I re-recorded the theme as like a way to test each mic's dynamic range. Uh, and it was really interesting, actually. There's like probably three or four versions of the theme that I did before I settled on the final one. And even now I'm sort of alt uh, tweaking uh, some of the EQ settings just to see if it sounds better or different and whatnot. Um, but I recorded everything uh, from an amp off my... Uh, my Casio WK7500, which is a very um, good uh, synth workstation kind of thing. Uh, Casio used to be kind of the Equate cheapo brand of, of uh, keyboards. But the the last the WK line that they put out oh, like three, four years ago um, really brought their game up. And I've been really happy with um, I've had the keyboard for probably about four years now. And I'm still finding new ways of uh, milking it for new sounds that I hadn't discovered previously. Um, so, you know, it was a real, real treat putting all that together. Um, so basically, once I had all those elements together, it came time to actually uh, publish it or to release it to the public. Um, so basically, there's two little things that I think are worth discussing here. Uh, first of all, you know, it's an audio show, so, you know, YouTube distribution is probably not the best way to do it because, you know, there isn't uh, a visual component that's um, uh, inherent with the story, you know. You can have, like, a title page or whatever, or it would take some extra effort to put together more slides and things like that to accompany the episode. So I decided that I wasn't going to do that as the initial distribution. Um, I decided that I was going to look for a podcast hoster, and I ended up on a Liberated Syndication, or Libsyn, uh, which I would highly recommend. You get um, space. Uh, you get, I believe, I went with the $20 subscription, which comes with uh, now 400 megabytes of space a month um, that you can archive. Uh, and then also, um, eventually, if I would if I get enough viewership and whatnot, I can create an app at $20 a month. Uh, and that's not something that looked like a lot of the other podcasters offered, especially not at that price point. So I felt Libsyn was probably the best way to go, and I went with it. And I'm very happy about it. Thank you very much. Um, and then from there, it was just a matter of trying to get people sort of aware of it. Um, so uh, back when Austin and I were doing the movie in 2013... Uh, we set up the Internal Logic Facebook page. Uh, so basically, I just commandeered that. I was an administrator on that. And I started, uh, you know, um, putting out the word on Facebook, you know, creating statuses and whatnot. And right probably around the New Year's, I think, I became aware of Facebook's new um, advertising, um, I guess, package or whatever, their advertising uh, uh, program that they have going on, where basically if you have a page, you can boost uh, posts that you make 
to become more widely available to the public and not just people that liked your Facebook. And then you could also like page, bring uh, more page likes in and all that. And it's actually quite interesting. And I'm still working out all the tweaks on that. But in between those two um, uh, services, in between Facebook's advertising program and Libsyn's uh, podcast hosting services, uh, I feel pretty comfortable that I'll be able to do pretty much anything I want in terms of the audio show and everything like that. Uh, I almost had an issue. Almost. Um, when I was finishing the editing, I came to realize um, when I when I first bought the the Libsyn per, uh, subscription, uh, the maximum storage capacity for my level was 300 megabytes. And well, Doctor Death was clocking in at like 301. And that wasn't counting the cover image that I was going to upload it with either. So I kind of went into panic mode. I thought I was going to have to compress the file like crazily. I might lose a lot of dynamic range and whatnot. Uh, but fortunately, it didn't come to pass that that was necessary. Um, unbeknownst to me, they bumped uh, my tier's um, subscription level up to 400 megabytes a month as opposed to 300. So I was able to circumvent that issue and still have plenty of extra space to play with um so again that just goes to show you how great of a service Libsyn is uh they they happened to fix my problem before i even knew that i was having it uh so um i guess to kind of wrap things up i know i'm rambling on a bit i'm sorry about that uh i was you know the intention of doing something like this as far as the audio show is concerned is is definitely um and a matter of self-fulfillment, I guess, for me. It gives me something create, you know, it's a creative outlet and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, I, I think one of the most interesting things about the internet now is that the level of fan interaction with the creators of media has definitely become a more integral part to the creative process. Um, and even already when I put the thing out on the, uh, the thing on the stairs out, uh, I already had some viewer feedback. I had someone who was trying to pitch me a story already, even, which really, really amazes me. And, like, you know, it actually, it kind of gets me going because, you know, it's good to know that the fire, the same thing that lights your fire also lights other people's fire. So, you know, I think so long as I can light at least one person's fire, I think it's a mission well done. And I think it was time well spent. Um, and similarly, too, uh, I hope that you found my now 30-minute ramble uh, time well spent as well. Hopefully, if you're interested in getting into audio drama, um, some of my technical talk about some microphones that you might need to consider or using Audacity or Libsyn or whatever the case may be, hopefully you find this information at least helpful uh, or interesting at the very least as well. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm going to stop rambling your ear off. Uh, um, I believe I'm going to have some new content up in about the next week or so. It's going to be another short Hitchhiker Presents episode. Um, and at the end of that, I will definitively um, uh, declare the next air date for uh, Dr. Death Part 2. Um, so, everyone, uh, I hope you all ha have an excellent rest of your day. And uh, thank you, as always, for listening to Internal Logic. Thank you so much. Thank you.